Hey, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. How are you doing today? Welcome to worship. We're going to start today with a call to worship. Last week with Easter Sunday, but you know what? We can celebrate the resurrection every week as Jesus is alive. And we wanted to warn you before we got started that we might need to loosen ourselves up and wake ourselves up a little bit. So right where you are, can you just kind of stretch out, maybe elbow, elbow the person next to you and say, wake up and good morning. And I want to read the scripture passage. Romans 8 says this, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirits that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus Christ has adopted us into his family and we can celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus because of what he's done on the cross, amen? So stand together with us and let's worship the Lord. Beyond the crystal sea 
about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is to him to victory beneath the cleansing blood and no victory in Jesus my Savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him he plunged me to the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. we 
Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. I'm Brian Carroll, uh, one of the pastors here at Cypress Bible Church. My privilege to welcome you here this morning. I just have a few announcements. If this is your first time here, we're glad that you're here and uh, welcome. Um, on the front or the back of your pews, there is a little QR code, and that is the best way for you to communicate with us. Whether you're new or you're a tender or a member, uh, that's the best way to interact with us. Uh, you can send us prayer requests. You can also inquire, get information about ministries that we will send to you as well. And so we would encourage you to use that QR code as the best way to do that. Um, at Cypress Bible Church, we say wherever you're at, you're welcome here, um, beginning where you are and becoming like, more like Jesus, and uh, we hope that you will join us in that journey. We have three primary values. One, we work, gather together regularly to worship God together. And the second thing is that we think it's important that we be in a smaller group or community. We call those grow groups and classes so that we can grow together, connect with others, and be part of the journey of uh, and following Christ as one of his disciples. And the third uh, G that we focus on here is to go in life-changing mission the importance to be part of taking that good news of Jesus to others. And this morning, our whole series that we're starting called Launch on the Book of Acts is really going to challenge us as a congregation for our responsibility to carry that gospel message to others, just like those disciples so faithfully on Christ's commands followed that as well. And uh, the, uh, speaking of that series, it begins uh, this morning, and uh, we'll go for the next nine weeks, and we may take a break or two in the middle there for some other topics. We have a wide variety of teachers here at Cyprus that are teaching that. Uh, if you are pastors and leaders and Bible teachers, and um, if, you are a, um, uh, if you are new to us, you may not realize this, but we're in the process of in-between lead pastors, and so we've used some of our teachers who are already here, part of our community, who will be leading us through that time. Um, also, there are a couple of other announcements. You should have gotten one of these flyers when you came in this morning. Uh, it is a summer volunteer opportunities. We have lots of opportunities, VBS, uh, there's camp opportunities, Sunday morning for kids, um, but uh, we have lots of needs. And so we encourage you to look through that. If God can laying on your heart to begin become engaged or involved in one of those things, uh, you can complete that form. There's a little suitcase back there to collect that. You can contact uh, people during the week. It tells you how to do that as well. Or you can go to our website, cypressbible.org, to indicate knowing more about any of those things. And we will give you lots of training and you'll work with the team and so you won't be put out there by yourself. So we encourage you to consider doing that. Um, also, next week, uh, we have seen that there is a beginning coming back of some younger couples at Cyprus. Um, some stayed away a little longer for COVID because they didn't want their young ones exposed and uh, being in situations where that might be the case. And so if you are a younger couple, whether you have children or don't have children, we are starting some grow groups uh, just for you. Uh, next Sunday at 11 o'clock in the job, we will have an introductory meeting to see who's interested and what opportunities exist. Or you can go out today at the Welcome Center and put down your name. You'd be interested in getting more information about that, and we'll reach out to you on that as well. Uh, this afternoon, you'll be receiving an email from me. It's an update on lots of uh, things that are going on here at Cyprus. Most notably, you'll learn more about where we're at in the search process. We're really happy that we have some great news to report on that, but I'm not going to give you all that this morning. It would take too long, so you can go uh, when you get that link. And if you do not have, if you're not on our email, uh, you don't get emails from us regularly. You can stop at the Welcome Center and drop off your email. And we'll send that to you. I do want to give you one little sneak preview, though. There is one piece of information that I'm going to share this morning that is on that. And uh, Josh Stewart, who's been our interim worship pastor for the last eight months, has agreed that he will be staying with us for one more month, and so at least, and so we're thankful to have Josh here for that. And we're glad that you're here to worship today, and I turn it over to Josh. 
Well, church family, it's a privilege to be here with you. God is doing some amazing things at Cypress Bible, and I'm honored to be partnering with you in that. And hey, if you were over those first two songs, like developed a little bit of sweaty moments, we just want you to know that's okay. You know what? When we're worshiping the Lord and we're going all after it, sometimes I'm like glistening, you know, and if you're like, man, I need something, then just go to the bathroom and get a little paper towel and come back in and join us. Okay. Because we go, we go all in here. Amen. (laughs) I want to invite you to continue to worship with us. Would you stand together? And as we focus our minds on what the Lord has done for us, we believe that he can do impossible things. He can move mountains. He can break chains and he is so good to us. Let's worship with that in mind. They say this mountain can't be moved They say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your name We've heard that there is no Much 
Amen. You can be seated for just a moment as we continue in worship. You know, when I have a spirit and a heart of gratitude, and I just want to say I am grateful. Some of my friends were able to join us today. This is a wonderful little horn section that we've had a few times here. Dan, Damon, and Rush, so grateful for them. And I'm grateful for this team from Cypress Bible Church, man. We have an incredible worship team here that God has assembled together, and you're so blessed. Church, I want to share with you two scripture passages to keep our focus on what we're about to do, which is something a little different, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But in Jeremiah, it says this right here, Lord, there is no one like you. You are great. Your name is great in power. And then Psalm 145 continues to speak of God's greatness and says this, I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. We want to have a moment in our service that you might be getting outside of your box a little bit, but we're going to have the worship team, some of them come down to the floor where you are, and we're going to spend a little bit of time saying, I want to praise God for this, for his greatness, for wonderful things that he's done in my life, maybe something specific. And just give us a moment to praise God in your personal situation, what God's doing in your life right now. And I know there's hundreds of things we could praise God for. We could be here all day. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of time. So just give us a little snippet of what that is. And if you have more, I'll be here after the service. You can come share that with me. I'd love to hear that and praise the Lord with you. But who would be that brave soul that might go first? Hey, Jerry, all right. And all these guys will come around, bring the microphones. And what we're gonna do to help this moment because I know what you're going to do. The same thing I want to do after everybody shares something and the moment they share it, I'm just like, yes, God, that's awesome. We're going to save the celebration till the very end so we can hear all these praises. My husband, after eight long years, just finished and will be graduating from seminary. For a granddaughter and? For a sister. God for his uh, forgiveness and never giving up hope for those that are lost. My brother recommitted his life to Christ after five years of kind of just being out there and, and being lost, and, but he's found again. Praise the Lord. Praise God for his healing. That God provides even when we can't see a way or understand how that is, God provides what we need and even more than we need. And on top of that, he gives us his son to walk with us through every day. I praise him for that. Russell has seven years of remission from leukemia today. anybody else okay here in the back and I see everybody you can't contain it you just got to celebrate every time you hear it that's okay we're going to do a big celebration at the end too I praise God for carrying me through all my burdens and the power of Jesus in my heart 
I just want to bless God for bringing my mom through two cancers the last two years and my husband's cancer and stroke. And my brother just broke a hip and uh, he had surgery Wednesday, so I'm hoping he'll be able to get up and about. I know he will because he lost his left leg when he was 20 and he was back at work 30 days later. So I, I believe I always have. I've been in ministry since junior high. So just what I do. For God bringing us to a home that's uh, much higher, that uh, is at zero risk of flooding after being flooded three times, and also for um, better health and on the way to recovery. I have a friend that lost his, uh, his son and his wife within about a year. And he struggled with his faith. And now God's brought him back, and he's found somebody somebody else. And, and so he's back on track. And this is a good story. Praise God. I shared with others this morning that my daughter uh, escaped Arkansas and came down to visit her mother. <laughs> visit her mother who was in the memory care and we had a couple of good days praise the Lord praise God for our short term uh, trip team in South Africa right now I sorry Um, I wanted to thank God for giving me a second chance at life I was on the road to destruction, and I want to thank him for forgiving me. And I also want to thank him for sending me a great husband. And tomorrow we will be married 11 years. I'm really shy, and I just wanted to let you know I'm new here. But God has recently brought me through domestic abuse. I, I now have stage three chronic kidney disease. My child, she just got through some miraculous surgeries. Thank God she's with us again today. And this miracle that's sitting on her lap is what we call a rainbow baby. My daughter showed with faith Praying day after day after day, God, please, may I have a second child because she lost her first one. This baby right here has been nothing but a blessing and a joy, and she continues to share that blessing through everyone she touches. When she got ready to come in today, although we were a little bit late, she was clapping and said, I'm excited because God has wrapped himself around us and showed us no matter what we go through, he has not failed us. And what we do now is to serve him and help others, not by teaching them, but to show them by example that God is here and he will always be here. Don't lose your faith. No matter how bad the situation is, he's there. He just wants you to learn a lesson. And from that, of course, you all know, lessons are blessings. 
Maybe one more. Yes, right here. I forgot to mention my middle daughter, Catherine, and her husband's a youth pastor. They all got COVID, them and the three kids in Indiana. And I was called in at the same time that they were sick, but I didn't know they were sick, to do some hospice work. And it was really hard because my daughter Natalie needed a double lung transplant, but didn't make it. It's been six years now since she's been gone. And uh, I'm glad I, I learned all my PPE stuff with her because I, I was able to go into that house and be the only one not get COVID. And I'm really glad that I've been able to help and I've traveled to New York. Florida, California, Oklahoma, and all throughout Texas to be there for people for surgery, recovery, and everything else. It's just, and I just do it because it's in me to do. Yeah. Praise God. Let's do a big praise and celebration for all that God has done in our lives. And so, Lord, we ask you to receive our praise. We are so uh, humbled that you care so deeply about us and that we celebrate all of this as a body of believers that loves each other, that loves you, and that is seeking to be more like you. And Lord, we wanna continue to keep our focus on you. You are the life bringer, the restorer of hope and joy and peace in our lives, and we need you, God. We say desperately, we need you. It's in your strong name that we pray, amen. Church family, I invite you to stand together. Let's continue to worship the Lord and sing and remember the character of our God. Let's worship him for who he is.
scripture that says your greatness is unsearchable and we could spend all afternoon here speaking of your greatness not just in our lives but just in your character just in how you are so loving and kind and generous and grace-filled and powerful and strong and full of justice and full of mercy God you are so great and you are worthy of our highest praise you are to be highly praised as scripture says And so, Lord, we offer you our highest praise with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We recognize that you are God, you are great, and, Lord, you are also for us. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have been invited in and adopted as sons and daughters of the great King, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. to say that um, I couldn't applaud when they said you're going to be here another month because it's, it's only one month. <laughs> Just saying. We can always pray for more, right? <laughs> Disclaimer, I am not authorized by the elders to say anything like that, so... If I'm not preaching next Sunday, you'll understand what happened. (laughs) Wonderful to worship with you today. It is always a pleasure. Usually I'm back there. Uh, Today I'm up here, so you all were my backup singers. So thanks for doing such a great job. Um, It's his breath in our lungs that we get to pour out. So I I pray you enjoy belting uh, like I do. I'll mention that a little bit later, I think. You know, there, there have been notable figures throughout our national history whose uh, vision has been so grand that it, 
it stirred the imagination uh, of our whole society. Um, <clears throat> these are people who had such a, a bold dream and a positive, optimistic outlook. Um, they announced outlandishly ambitious, almost impossible goals, and those goals marshaled our best energies to achieve what seemed to be the impossible. Consider this notable person from our history. <laughs> Look at that smile, those bright eyes. Wouldn't you want to follow him to infinity and beyond? Or maybe a little further back in history, <laughs> Captain James, James T. Kirk uh, challenged us all to go boldly where no man had gone before. Or maybe how about a little bit further back in history and into reality, right here in our city on the campus of Rice University. Our president, John F. Kennedy, announced that the United States was going to put a man on the moon. Now, I look across the audience and some of you are saying, man, you must be a geezer if you can remember that. I was eight, year, I was eight years old. I wasn't here in Houston then. But, um, and you think, man on the moon, isn't that like, don't we do that all the time? Um, <clears throat> if, if you're in a newer generation, you realize that um, that was a historic thing, but now we've gone way beyond it. Um, but who can conceive of that at the time? Putting a man on the moon, it was in response to Russia's or the Soviet Union's earlier achievements in space, and John F. Kennedy announced the space race. The amazing thing is if you go on the tour at NASA, which I like to bring uh, visitors to go and see, I'm told that they achieved that feat with, more, with less technology than we have in our pockets every day. They put a man on the moon like that. That's incredible. Well, I, though I am a geezer, I still am moved by his speech that he made that day. Why, some say, the moon. Why choose this as our goal, he said. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they're easy but because they are hard because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept one we are unwilling to postpone and one we intend to win President Kennedy didn't just challenge he virtually commanded us uh, to, to, do not, to do what had never, ever been done before. And we did it more than once. Friends, at the command of our pastoral staff, some other, a team of other guys and I have undertaken to uh, preach where no preacher has gone before here at Cyprus, as far as I know. I'm not positive. I haven't done all the archives to see, but so far as I know, no one's ever preached a series through the book of Acts, and we're biting off, uh, this team and I are biting off chapters 1 through 9. Who knows, we may get a new pastor by that time, and he may decide not to do the book of Acts, or maybe the pastoral staff will command him, like they've commanded us, to do the book of Acts. Um, 
Acts is just an amazing story. It's the story of the, the miracle birth of the church, and it's being launched. I should say our being dispatched and deployed um, into the world for God's pur- purposes on our global mission, not our universal one. Acts is Dr. Luke's narrative of the 30 or so years of those first apostles, those they trained, those that they trained, those that they evangelized, and further, those that they discipled until the history reaches to us here and now. Three decades, Acts will be. Three decades that will shake the world and shape the earth. Our graphic, I think, for this series is really appropriate. You see it shows the shuttle on the launching pad, not flying through space. Uh, it's, on, it's there ready and waiting for in, in preparation. Uh, these are, there are precisely, uh, precisely designed systems that must be put into place. There are years of painstaking, exacting preparations that go into every single launch into space. And that was especially true in the earlier days. Now we seem to launch billionaires and their space tourism. But that wasn't always true. Uh, The fact is, systems must be put into place. They must be triple and quadruple tested to make sure that that launch is ready to go. Then the flight director can say, all systems go. And that's where we are in our chapter today, chapter one, all systems go. That is where in Acts, we're going to see, or Acts one, we're going to see that the people of God are prepared for the launch, which will occur next Sunday, if I'm still preaching next Sunday. Um, Here's the audacious flight plan that Jesus put into place for his followers starting from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. He said, I suppose with bright eyes and smiling face and look into the eyes of those gathered around him as they heard him announce that audacious goal. You see, Acts is a phenomenal history. It's a story, but it's history. It's a record of the astounding success and progress and the stiff and stubborn resistance that the early church faced. It starts in in an olive garden, not far from Bethany, in a short walk from Jerusalem, and is going to end in the capital of the mighty Roman Empire. We will have moved uh, in this time. The kingdom of God, the people of God, you might as well say the gospel of God, travels and triumphs. But we're we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. the last word of the book is this word, unhindered. That's where we're headed with the gospel of God. The, the book is not only history, though. It is full of lessons and principles and patterns and examples that if we study them correctly and discern their place in biblical history then we can follow those as followers of God in this day and this age. Let's read Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts 
of the earth. Jesus said those words in A.D. 30 or perhaps 33. Consider to whom he said those words. This was not an American society in fear of the Soviet Union's progress in space. This was 11 guys. 11 guys from the no-count backwoods province of Galilee. 11 guys who had barely... unless they were forced to. Man on for them and for us. They're not yet being launched, but they're being given the vision for that launch. Launch is next week. Please come back. We had better check to see, though, if all systems are go as they sit there on the launching pad. And the question that we're going to pursue in Acts is this. What factors, Acts 1, what factors do we observe in this text and among the people of God, positioned as they are, that show that they are readied and prepared to be launched on this global endeavor? And better than just asking in history for ourselves, what do we see of, of us here at Cyprus? What do we see? What do we crave? What marks and characteristics do we want? If we want God to use us in a way that, is, that, that makes us ready to be used in a powerful way in the future, in God's plan. Let's look at verses 1 to 3. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Let's just pause there for a moment. All that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication is that Luke's first book, the first 30 years, the life of Jesus as he recorded it, 30 plus years, uh, were about all that Jesus started to do. The implication is that what we're going to read in his second volume is what Jesus continues to do. What happens in the world for the sake of God's kingdom has always been and always will be the work of Jesus, the actions of Jesus. Here we are 20 centuries later, after those first disciples received the charge, and we are here worshiping the same God whom they worshiped, bowing at the feet of the same Jesus who charged them with this commission, because Jesus has continued to work. The theme of Acts is the works of Jesus by his apostles, empowered by his Holy Spirit, whom he sent from the Father to fuel us on this mission. That is what we're going to encounter, the continuing works of Jesus. So let's read a little further, noticing that one of the markers that they had in place is a marker that we should have that they were thoroughly, absolutely convinced that Jesus is alive, his resurrection, and they're ready to say so. In fact, they're ready to say so to the death, if necessary. We continue on in in verse, what he began to do and teach into verse 1 to verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, 
appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Here, he presented himself alive. He showed them many convincing proofs. He spent 40 days of appearing and reappearing. In verse 4, it says, and gathering them together. You may notice in your Bibles that it also says uh, in the margin, it could be translated, and eating with them, or even lodging with them. For that period of 40 days, Jesus ate meals with them and actually perhaps spent the night where they were lodging. He presented himself alive in many different circumstances to different groups of people with different emotional perspectives, some of them expecting to see him, some of them downcast and hopeless. But Jesus proved himself alive. The point is the the apostles knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was in fact alive and ministering and working among them. How about for us today? We celebrated Easter last week. For some of us who've been involved in the church tradition, it could be just that's what we do in March or April each year. It can be an emotional or sentimental thing, but are we truly convinced that he is alive and living today? If one of your university professors asks you or states, you know you can't really believe the Gospels and their account, it's not historically reliable. That's another issue, a broader issue. And if they say, well, let's take what the Scriptures say and argue with those. Well, Jesus didn't really die. He just fainted due to all the exertion and the, the, the brutality he received. He fainted on the cross. And, and then when they took him down, they wrapped him, and that stopped the bleeding. And, and then they put him in this cooler tomb and the stopping of the bleeding and the coolness of the tomb helped him to revive and he walked out again. He never really died and he really didn't resurrect in that sense. Or if they say, you know, the apostles were just emotional basket cases. They were anticipating something good and and they, because of the force of their emotions and their anticipation, they imagined they were seeing a resurrected Lord. Or one of the earliest skeptics, lies. Well, the disciples stole the body and carried him off somewhere. You really can't believe that Jesus is alive. Are you prepared intellectually with the scriptures and with logic to defend that Jesus is in fact alive? Today's sermon is not to give you all that stuff, but we need to be. We need to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus is alive and he's working today. <clears throat> well, it's one thing to believe it in our, in our hearts, in our heads. It's another thing to spend time with that one who is, in fact, alive for us, with us. A second factor we ought to see in the text and ought to crave for ourselves is that we are regularly interacting. We're experiencing ongoing communication and fellowship with the risen Lord. This, this book I have in front of me. <laughs> when I'm reading it, am I reading words? Or am, am I studying logical paragraphs? Am I probing for grammatical structure? Yes, I do that. I love doing that. 
But more than that, I'm looking for Jesus. Right now I'm in the program of reading through the Bible in a year. And I'm in Samuel and Chronicles, the life of David. And I'm loving it. The place I do that is in a rocking chair in my study at home. The question, am I, am I asking Jesus to enter the study with me? To stand or sit beside me and show me himself, the risen Lord in the scriptures. When I look in the scriptures, am I, do I see the risen face of Jesus peering back at me, saying, this is who I am. This is who you can be as I work in you, Brian. Are we convinced he's alive, and are we spending time with him as he would have? When we gathered here this morning and we sang, were we singing as if Jesus were beside to receive our praise. I'm usually seated right back there somewhere. And when I sing, I belt, okay? Um, and some of you over here may hear me. I don't know. Um, I don't notice that there's a semicircular of vacant seats around me, so most people are tolerating it, it appears. Why do I do that? Why do I belt it loud? It's because... I'm interacting with the Jesus who rose for me, and I love him, and I want him to hear my voice, and I want you to hear my voice. <clears throat> I want us to hear each other's voices and to lift up Jesus in praise together. So I belt. When we get to heaven, I can guarantee you this, and some of you will be relieved. Um, I will not be asked to preach. I'm fairly certain I will be permitted to sing. And if that's true, I want to practice now for what I'll be doing for all eternity. And so I belt for Jesus who is risen and is with me. Not only are we convinced he's alive and we're experiencing time with him, we're waiting. Notice what Jesus said, verse 4. Gathering them together, them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. And in verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the implication is, and after that, you can be witnesses. Wait. Are you like me? Do you imagine Jesus, and do you like to use your imagination when you study the Bible? I wonder if Jesus looked right at Peter when he said this. Wait. Wait, Peter. Not now. Wait. But they did. They waited. Now, this waiting is not a lazy, uh, just sitting around, hanging around, hanging out kind of waiting. It's waiting with anticipation and expectancy. Because Jesus has said, look, in just a few days, it ends up going to be 10. In just a few days, you're going to receive the promise of the Father. And so you wait, expecting and counting on what I have told you is going to happen. Sometimes when we receive a vision from the Lord regarding a ministry, uh, it may be to reach a classmate or someone in our geometry class or someone in our neighborhood or someone where, who works where we are. Maybe a whole group of people we want to reach out to. And the impulse is from God. It's from the Spirit. But there's also this wait. It's not like put it off, put it off, put it off. It's wait. There'll be a time when I indicate it's right for you. You be looking 
and waiting, and you grab the opportunity when it comes. It's that kind of waiting. Furthermore, as we wait, we are to, and if we want to be used by God in a fresh and powerful way here at Cyprus, we are not to be distracted by lesser things than the mission Jesus has entrusted us to. First of all, notice that uh, in verse, verse 6 and 7. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it now when you're going to whip up on the Romans and get rid of these heathens and let us have the glory of Israel like David and Solomon and let us to be in political control once again? Is it now? Are you going to put us in charge? (laughs) Jesus doesn't quite rebuke them, but he just says, hey, guys, it's not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority. We are not to be concerned with imposing political power on the societies of the world or on our culture. That is not our charge. Yes, we are to be salt and light, and we are to occupy that in a serious manner. But that is a lesser mission than getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. Furthermore, the angels have a word for these 11 men. In verse uh, 9, After Jesus had said these things, he was lifted up. While they were looking on, a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. There were two men in the tomb. We understand these are angels. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. You picture the scene? Eleven guys? And suddenly, two guys in white have to kind of waken them from their reverie. They appear to be like waiting for Jesus to rematerialize, as if they were beamed up by Scotty, and now they're going to be, he's going to be beamed back down. Um, is Jesus going to return like right now? And they're just looking and they're waiting and the angels have to kind of nudge him. Hey, guys, guys, he's going to come back. But he gave you orders. Get with it. This same Jesus who left will also return. So we're not to be unhealthily speculating on the end times and on the return of Jesus in an unhealthy, unbalanced way. We are to be spurred on and motivated by the fact Jesus is coming back. But we're not to be sidetracked by trying to figure out exactly when and who are the personalities around that may be the Antichrist or this or that. We are to be focused on mission. So we're not distracted either by political control or by end times speculation. Next, we notice that the people who are going to be used by God gather in united, determined, intercession. Let's see the verses. Verse 12, when they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away, when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, the 11. These all with one mind 
were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, those who had been supporting this ministry all along, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They didn't go back to Jerusalem and hit the streets to preach. They went back to Jerusalem and headed upstairs to pray. They were going to pray based on the promise that Jesus had given himself, that the Spirit is going to come and he is going to energize you for witness. So they returned to pray. I'm going to read this. The Fulton Street prayer meeting that sparked a revival in America in 1858 began with six people. Within six months, there were 10,000 businessmen gathering daily for prayer in New York City. And within two years, one million converts were added to the American church, all from a prayer meeting of six people. A.T. Pearson said, There has never been a revival in any country that has not begun in united prayer, and no revival has continued beyond the duration of those prayer meetings. We must prepare for any fresh outpouring of the Spirit by united, persistent prayer. We at Cyprus are getting our feet wet in that kind of prayer in this last year, and we're going to continue And I believe God is preparing us for something he wants to do as we give ourselves to prayer. Finally, and I'm not going to touch on this very much, chosen, God chose, Christ chosen leadership. Peter reminds the 120 people gathered in that upper room, hey, we got to replace Judas. We need to get back to the number 12. 12 is important because it's a significant number for the people of Israel had 12 tribes. It's also important because Jesus had predicted there will be 12 disciples sitting on 12 thrones judging the people of Israel. <clears throat> A place in Revelation, it also says that the foundation of the city or of the gates to the eternal city will have 12 slabs named after the 12 apostles. I can guarantee you Judas, the Iscariot, Judas Iscariot is not going to be one of those 12. So he had to be replaced. They put forth two who meet the qualifications of the disciple They prayed to Jesus, saying, Lord, you chose the first 12. One of us was a traitor. We need to have a, another replacement. You choose the next one. They put forth two, and then they cast lots. They throw dice. They do something of chance, knowing that Jesus is in control of what's going to end up. Now, I don't know what Brian is going to send us in the email today about the search committee. I'm not a leader in the church here. I haven't been to any of our elders' meetings. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you walk in there, they're not doing this. <laughs> to arrive at conclusions. We need to study the book of Acts properly. Not everything that happens in the book of Acts is something that is mandatory for us to practice today. But Jesus chose Matthias. So they ended up restoring the integrity of the 12. Next. Is there anything else? You've been waiting for me to say this. Come on, it's all throughout the chapter. Five mentions of the Holy Spirit, either by name or the promise of the Father, by implication. Jesus is sending his Holy Spirit, who will be the fuel for this global mission. And he continues to be the fuel for that global mission to this very day. He will energize the early apostles, and he will take us. I want to say this. It seems 
to me that in church movements like ours, the Holy Spirit is spoken of, but less often, less emphasized, less attended to, less we are less intimate with and personally engaged with the Holy Spirit. That just seems my observation. And it's partly because I'm part of us, okay? Um, That seems to be true of us. On the one hand, I want to say it's okay. Why do I say that? These disciples who heard the words from Jesus they had never experienced anything like they're going to get in 10 days. They weren't all that immersed in the doctrine of and practice of communion with the Holy Spirit any more than, than we are. We know more today than they knew. So it's okay. On the one hand, it's okay. But it is not okay if we stay that way. So I have placed it this way as we read it, that we need to have a yielded openness. We need to be teachable And we must be yearning for more in personal relationship to Jesus, Holy Spirit. If we would have God use us in an an intensified way in our community. So we come to Jesus, sure of his resurrection. Experience in communing with him. Listening to his word and meeting with him. Um, We are dedicated to prayer and we're giving ourselves with expectancy as we wait for what God wants to do among us. We unite in that prayer, and we lean into, learn more of, yearn for more of the Holy Spirit. That's where we find ourselves at the end of the book of Acts. And so here we are. It's been 40 days since Passover and resurrection. It's 10 days till Pentecost, the 50 days after Passover. We have arrived at T minus 10 days and counting. As one writer said it this way, as we close chapter 1 of Acts, the place left vacant by Judas has been filled by Matthias. The place left vacant by Jesus has not yet been filled. We got to wait. T minus 10 days. Let's see what happens next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus who died to cover our sins, who rose again to guarantee us eternal life and to give us his life, his righteousness in place of our sin and shame. Thank you for the Holy Spirit whom Jesus sent to help live the life of Jesus through such as we are. And thank you for this commission that we can bless our classmates, our working companions, our neighbors, and the ends of the earth with this wonderful privilege. For the glory of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Thank you, um, Brian. Appreciate that. My microphone has died three times here, and every time Blythe has been on the worship team 
and she has always replaced the battery because she is just so on it like that. Thank you so much, Vlad. Church, we want to um, respond to this message, and we want you to know two things. Number one, um, at the end of this service, there's going to be some elders up here, and if you need to pray through anything, you're welcome to come and grab one of them and pray with them about any questions you might have. They can answer those questions as well. But two, we just want to respond to the Lord in worship, and we want to declare uh, what the foundation of our life is on, that Jesus Christ is the solid foundation that we've built our life upon, and that it's important for us to remind our hearts of that and then to go and live that out in the world. So would you stand together with us, and let's worship with that in mind.
Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank <laughs> you.